fact, God wants you to be happy. In fact, he created us with an innate desire and capacity to be happy. And so if he did create us with that desire and that capacity, then there must be a way to fulfill it, right? There must be a way to actually be happy. So how? Well, the answer is closer than you think. So let's talk about it together. We try to find happiness in a lot of different ways. In fact, the self-help personal development industry in the United States made $11.5 billion in 2021. And so we try to find happiness through books and, and seminars and classes and maybe online quizzes to tell us which villain from Star Wars we are. We spend so much money on vacations and, and self-care so we can treat yourself, right? Or we spend so much money on, on education to better ourselves. And really, there's nothing wrong with any of those. But there still seems to be something missing, some type of happiness that's elusive that we're all searching for. So think about it. What do all those different things we use to be happy have in common? Well, they're all attempts to be more. See, we try to find happiness by being more. We try to be happy by being more wealthy or more healthy or more relaxed or more informed or more self-aware or more influential or more successful or more organized, right? And when we try to try, and when we try to find happiness by being more, there's never going to be enough. We're never going to actually reach what that more is. There's always going to be either more we have to find or more we have to like keep refilling. Like think about your last vacation. I'm sure the first few days are great, but then you realize you had to go back. And then when you got back, you're like, I need a vacation for my vacation. You always have to refill that more, right? Well, Jesus knew this. And in fact, in his most famous teaching, it was about how humans can actually find deep, lasting, satisfying happiness. The happiness we're actually created for. A happiness that lasts and is more than enough. And at first glance, this message about happiness, it makes zero sense. But then as we think about it and we really like dig into it, we realize how genius Jesus really was. See, the happiness is not the result of finding the right more, but of changing what we are looking for in the first place. And so as Jesus started his ministry, his main message was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Ugh. Sounds more like God wants us to be holy than happy, right? Well, repent isn't just feeling bad for the bad things we do. It's what we've talked about in other series. It's a changing of our allegiance from ourselves and, and from pursuing what we want to an allegiance and a reliance on God's kingship. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven, God himself, is near. He's next to you. And this kingdom is here for you now to experience. And that's the good news, that what we see around us, what we experience, isn't all there is. There's something better that is available. Good news of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not just, you know, getting to go to heaven in some distant future when we die. The kingdom of heaven is God reigning now in people's hearts and minds. We experience a happy life when we experience life in the kingdom of heaven. It's what it means to be a child of God, which we've talked about before. So that was Jesus' main message. And then he explains what this life in the kingdom of heaven is like and who can actually experience it. 
And this teaching is called, we call it, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's often seen as a collection of Jesus' teachings. And it's often been treated like Jesus' code of ethics. But it's really not. It's not just, he wasn't just giving rules to live by, right? Like self-help type of stuff. Like do this and things will be okay. No, what he's doing, he's describing what true, happy life looks like. The, he's describing what the life we're all designed for looks like. The life he came to offer. And so as I go through this message, I want to make it clear, I'm leaning pretty heavily on a guy named Tim Mackey and his interpretation of what these verses mean. And so let's, let's dive into it. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. So who's Jesus? We've got to kind of set the scene. Who's Jesus talking to? Well, it says he, his disciples came to him. Well, are we talking about like the 12 disciples? Well, not yet. They actually named them later on in Matthew. So yes, he's called a few fishermen already. And these disciples are the people who are following him from around the area. Common people who have been healed from their sicknesses and diseases by Jesus. These are people with no importance, no money, no power, no influence in this society. People basically considered that were some of the least happy people in society. And so Jesus teaches them what the kingdom of heaven is. And he starts with a list of people who are blessed, people who are happy, people who will experience the kingdom of heaven. And we use this word blessed, and it's a pretty familiar, blessed are the poor in spirit, that type of thing. It's a Hebrew word. The word blessed is a Hebrew word that can mean happy, but it's deeper than happy. It means favored by God. Theologian Dallas Willard called it the, the highest type of well-being possible for humans. It's this deep, joy-filled contentment that's not affected by outside circumstances or even tragedy. And this idea of pronouncing blessings really wasn't anything new. It's not like Jesus came up with this idea of, I'm going to sit down and tell who are blessed by God. It's not new. Rabbis during his time did the same thing. They said things like, blessed are those who, you know, don't have to answer to anyone else. Blessed are those who, who find themselves, you know, self-sufficient and not subservient to others. Meaning, blessed are the rich. Blessed are those with influence and power. Blessed are those who are honored and admired by everyone else. Meaning, God is with those people who, who have made it, right? Who have found the right more, which we do it too, right? We think, oh, I'm so blessed because I got this new car. And like, well, really? But Jesus kind of turns this idea on its head and really in a surprising way. What he teaches is that those who are seen as less most often see more clearly than others. Now, as we read these, these blessed are the, this is not a formula. It's not a formula or a set of ideals or values that help us get on God's good side to earn his blessing. And it's not just another new way to make it in Jesus's kingdom. And they're not nine separate types of people we're going to talk about. When we read these, let's take them all together as a picture. They help paint a picture of the kind of people who experience the kingdom of heaven. So who experiences the kingdom of heaven? Jesus starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? To be poor in spirit. It's not how we describe people very often, right? Like, is he talking about the economic poor? The, they're, you know, they're overlooked, they're abused because of their social status, which a lot of those people that he's talking to were. Or is he talking about poor in spirit, meaning like poor spiritually, meaning nobody really looks to them for spiritual guidance. No one really cares what they have to say about God. They're spiritual zeros, basically, right? 
Well, it's actually both. These are two ideas you can't really separate if you think about it. When somebody is poor, it really seems like no one seems to care about their opinion. Right? You, if you had a meeting of how to fix this city and make things better for everyone, I've been to these types of meetings. You know the people that are invited to those? It's all the rich, influential, powerful people in the city. Nobody cares what the actual poor people have to say. And Jesus is saying, if you find yourself in this situation, be happy. Be content. God sees you. God is for you. This being poor in spirit is really the most favorable position you can find yourself in. Because when people find themselves here, they most they are the most likely to respond to Jesus's invitation to experience the kingdom of heaven. So those who find themselves in hopeless situations are the ones to which Jesus first offers hope. See, the least are the first to be offered God's more. And now the next three blesseds or beatitudes as they're called kind of make no sense at first. Let's read them. Blessed or happy or be content or find the best way to be human are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What does all that mean? And like, blessed are you, happy are you if you mourn? They're like opposites. Well, Tim Mackey has this brilliant idea of really looking at the the third one of these first, which really helps put all of it in context. And so the third one was, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Think about it. Have you ever had like a scorching thirst? My kids call it, I'm starving thirsty, right? Or just so hungry, you just like feel it in your bones. Like, have you ever been that hungry or thirsty? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about this longing, that that pain of wanting things to be made right. See, these are people who look at the world the way it is, the way it actually is, and really see how messed up it is. And they experience an intense, a very deep frustration over it. The best example I could think of is like in those movies or shows where there's this a brilliant actor who's playing the bad guy, and he's just so bad. And it makes you so frustrated and anxious that something needs to be done to stop this evil, right? Like when I watch uh, Law and Order SVU, there's, there's always that, oh, I can't stand it. Or uh, Professor Umbridge in Harry Potter, just got to stop her. Or the Emperor in Star Wars or the Emperor in Gladiator or maybe a more current character who we hate because I don't get to watch a lot of movies. I have a lot of kids. But that's the type of err that Jesus is talking about. He's describing the people who see the brokenness of the world, see the brokenness of relationships between others, people together, and their brokenness of the relationship with God. And they burn with the desire for things to be made right. It bothers them to their core. And Jesus is saying, those people, be happy because you notice what God notices. And be happy because the kingdom of heaven is here and you will be finally satisfied. And now when we look at the previous two blesseds, it kind of makes more sense. Because he says, blessed are those who mourn. And that helps us ask the question, mourn over what, right? I don't think it's, it's not what everyone else mourns about. Everybody mourns about death and loss and, and maybe like your, your dog dying. Like we mourn over that. That's normal. He's talking about something different. He's talking about mourning over the evil and the tragedy of the brokenness in our world, the broken relationships and its results, death, right? Death of physical death, emotional death, social death. These are the people that pay attention to the brokenness, 
They don't try to ignore it. They don't try to numb it. They don't try to explain it away or, or distract themselves by trying to be more. These people acknowledge the reality of the world and they mourn over it. Just like Jesus cried when his friend Lazarus died, even knowing he was going to raise him from the dead because he was so upset about what death actually does to people. Jesus is saying, if this is you, be happy, be content, because in the kingdom of heaven, you will be comforted. And then he says, blessed are the meek, which is not a very common word we use, but blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, meaning the unimportant, the weak, those with no influence or power to do anything about the brokenness. See, they see the hurt, they see the pain, but they have no power to fix it. And Jesus says, be happy. Because in the kingdom of heaven, which is now here, you will have the earth and the ability to fix the pain you see. And so what do these blessed people do? They're blessed because Jesus is with them and it moves them to do something. He goes on. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Mercy, meaning care and compassion for the hurting. These are people who, who see the pain and hurt in the world, and they wish they could feed all of the starving people they see. They wish they could house all the unsheltered people. They wish they could win the lottery and give it to fix all of these problems. But they know they can't. And instead of seeing the problems and saying, well, guess I can't do anything about it, might as well move on, they take care of those who they can take care of. They help those around them in any way that they can. They, as Andy Stanley said, they do for one what they wish they could do for all. And this is the mercy that changes the world. This is the mercy that has changed the world. This is the mercy that created the first hospitals, the first orphanages. This is the mercy that inspired the first Christians to adopt abandoned babies and raise them as their own. And in doing this type of mercy, the mercy of the kingdom of heaven starts radiating out and it starts coming into the world one act of mercy at a time. And Jesus says, be happy if you are merciful. And then he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed, deeply happy are the pure in heart. These are people who don't care about the prestige. They don't care about the honor and, and being influential. What they care about is only how God sees them. What they care about is cultivating a relationship with God as children of God and letting that relationship flow out into their actions and their choices with others. And then Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. See, as this relationship with God grows, as their heart becomes purer and purer, their longing for rightness in relationships grows and when they see people in conflict, people who are loved by God, they insert themselves in between them and do the hard work of reconciliation. And Jesus says, be happy if you are a peacemaker, because this is doing, this is exemplifying the good news of the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus came to reconcile humanity to God and to each other. And this is hard work because think about it. If you put yourself in the middle of two people who are fighting, you're in the middle, they both end up shooting you, right? See, each side thinks that, you know, since you're not fighting for their side, then you're obviously fighting against it. And Jesus says, you who are in the middle trying to find peace between others are blessed because you are truly acting like your father. You are truly acting like a child of God. 
And he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, you're blessed when you're just trying to do what is right and people hate you for it. They assume that, they assume motives of you that aren't actually yours. This is when people find out your allegiance to Jesus and then things kind of get awkward and they get, and they get weird and they assume they know what you stand for or what you're against because of what they've experienced before. And they label you and they cancel you because you're one of those. Jesus says, be happy. Because even though society might think you're nothing, you are in the same ranks as the greatest of God's prophets and you will be rewarded. And you are being used by God to be something different and to do something different for the rest of the world. Now, like I said earlier, Jesus is not commanding people to be these things. He's not saying, hey, if you want God to like you, you better start mourning. That doesn't make sense. These things are a picture of the type of person Jesus has first invited into the kingdom of heaven. But if you think about it and you read this list and you understand what it's saying, it does motivate us to do something, doesn't it? Like it makes us want to be this way. Not because if we do it, we will be blessed by God, but we want to do this because we are blessed by God. Because it gives real purpose to each interaction. See, when we experience the happiness of the kingdom of heaven, we can't help but invite more to it. And he goes on, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And here's the point of all of this. The description of this type of person paints a picture. But who really is this a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus. See, Jesus is the epitome of all of these blessings. Jesus, God himself, became less in order to bring more, in order to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth now. And as we follow Jesus and we experience the kingdom of heaven, we're transformed into his likeness by the Holy Spirit. And we allow our heart and our motivations and our life to be shaped by Jesus and his value system we actually become more. We acknowledge more of our need for God and rely on and trust him more. Our heart becomes more of a reflection of his heart. We mourn more over that which God mourns. We long more for God's justice to make the world right. We show more mercy because we have been shown mercy. We become a force for more peace in the world that is insisting on being divided. And as we become more like Jesus, we bring this happiness to more people around us. And this is being blessed. And this might sound trite and it might sound cliche, but it is the secret that, of life that actually works. See, we find true, lasting, and satisfying happiness by becoming more like Jesus. It's not a circumstantial happiness. It is a deep down peace confidence, joy that overcomes the worst pain and evil we experience in this world. It is the promised outcome of knowing the God of love and sharing it with others with our words and actions. And so my question is, where are you? Have you made it? 
Like, have you found the right more that is working for you? Do you feel like you have everything you want? Then read these blessings as a challenge. Think about it. What will be left of your happiness when you lose it? When you lose these things? When when you run out of that that thing that is making you more, that thing you're chasing to have more of? See, there's always somebody, somebody else with more. There's always more to acquire. There's always a not yet in pursuing this type of happiness through being more. Are you using what you have to distract yourself, to numb yourself to the real world, to the pain and fear of the world? Or maybe life hasn't turned out the way you wanted and you feel unimportant. You feel insignificant. You feel unseen because either you're too young or you're too old or you haven't achieved what you think you should have achieved by now. You're not, a, not as far along as, as you think you should be either in life or even in your faith. Jesus says, you are the blessed. You are who the kingdom of heaven is made up of. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Now, my guess is we're, a lot of us, probably a mix of those, trying to use things to be more, yet also not feeling significant enough. And so I want to have you ask two questions as you evaluate this and as we go into this series of what it means to actually have a life that works. Ask yourself this. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not good, 10 being fantastic. Am I happy? However you want to define that. 1 through 10, am I happy? And then ask this. What more am I hoping will make me happy? What more am I trying to add to me that will make me move that number up higher? See, God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be truly, deeply, satisfied, happy. He created us to experience that type of happiness. And we can experience it no matter what situation we find ourselves in. See, the happiness we find in Jesus is the more we are all searching for. Thanks so much for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church that meets weekly in Salem on Sundays at 525 Idlewood Drive in South Salem. We meet at 430 in the afternoon on Sundays and the service usually goes about an hour followed by some snacks and time to hang out and mingle and meet people. So if you've been watching or listening online for a while and haven't checked us out in person, we invite you, we welcome you, and we promise it's a safe place to be. Uh, we also have weekly connect groups that meet in the homes and a youth connect for middle school and high schoolers. Thanks again for watching this content put up by Cross Creek Community Church. We have a welcome form online we'd love for you to fill out so you can say hello. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you next week.